welcome to the podcast today. It is quarter to two in podcast time on Thursday, August 12th. Thanks for spending some time. Um, Death Fest is not what I thought. Also, um, we're, I, I'm recording this, uh, going solo today, recording this before the official sense of data comes out, but I want to throw something by you. We might've talked about it long ago in some way. And, um, I don't have goals, which normally would be pretty bad. I think we're taught at a young age. You need to, you need to have, you should have goals. You should have things you want to achieve. And it's a lot more complicated than that. But uh, while I don't have that, I do have something else. First, as you might be able to tell, I feel fantastic. This is now, let's see, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is the sixth day in a row where I have not wanted and needed to take a nap before I came into work. My morning, I'm usually up between 6 and 7 o'clock. I go get coffee. I kind of prep the day or the show, the content. I check the blade. I check our local news sites. I skim around the internet. Um, So I'm at Panera for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Then I go to the gym for, lately it's been like an hour and a half. You're like, wow, Eric, you don't look like you're in the gym an hour and a half. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of walking. Like, I've, I've done so Hold on, I'll come back to that. Um, and then I'm usually, I'll run an errand, and I'm I'm home between like 10, 1030 and, and noon before I come in here. And I have that whole time to figure stuff out to do. Usually, I want to sleep. I need to sleep. I can't. Ever since I have switched to um, adding the Wellbutrin to the downgraded Cymbalta, this is amazing. Like, I was talking to Amanda. She's like, do you feel manic? I'm like, I kind of do, like mania, hypomania, the other side of, of uh, depression and bipolar. I do. I kind of feel hypomanic, but not in a bad or destructive way. Like I want to go gamble away my life savings or make riskier decisions than I already do. I don't feel like that. I just feel, God, like a rush of adrenaline because it's so foreign to me to have energy. Um, I, what did I do? I just did the treadmill today at the gym. Some run, I hate running. I fucking hate. And look, last night, my, uh, sustenance decisions were not the best for a Wednesday night. And a week ago, that would have had me dragging all day. But I dragged my ass to Panera, dragged my ass to the gym, did a, bu- I got 10,000 steps in and I average about uh, six sixty five hundred steps over the course of the year. It's more in the summertime. It's like seven in the summer, five in the wintertime. I don't know. Like unless you're a male person or working at Kroger, I don't know how you get ten thousand steps. And if you have like a, a pretty standard job, like if you're if you work at a bank, if you work in an office, how how are you getting ten thousand steps? In which I guess they say is the recommended amount. I have gotten over. Well, Saturday was extraordinary because I was downtown all day. But for the week, I've averaged 10,364 steps, and I still have the rest of today to go. I can't remember that ever happening in as long as me tracking my steps. Um, let me go from the 6th. 11, 12 and a half, 5,200, 11, 2, 10, 1, 11, and today, 11,000. 236. This is this is wild. Like, so I am not manic or hypomanic, 
but I just feel like a normal person who has a reasonable amount of energy instead of wanting to take a nap. So this change has been borderline. Like, I know that I have hesitated to conclude this works, but it's the only thing. I mean, you, you, you can always say it's environmental stuff, sunshine, summer, whatever it is, but nothing has really changed other than the medication. So Occam's razor, the simplest answer possible. Um, don't look the gift horse in the mouth. So I am kind of ready to conclude that it it has worked. I'm not quite ready to conclude and come down on myself, dumbass. You should have done this three years ago. Um, in the same way that I feel like I lost 25 to 35, 20, 21 to 31-ish by not being properly medicated and how I treated people not as well as I should have, and dispatched of relationships. Thankfully, I wasn't affected professionally, but personally, yeah. Um, I feel like that part of my life, I, again, my dad says youth is wasted on the young. Um, I wasted my youth on not being properly medicated and tended to uh, psychologically. Um, and I, I, I may get to the point in a couple of weeks and go, dumbass, why didn't you make the medication switch when you spent months dragging yourself around trying to take naps? So I won't be too hard on myself. Never be too hard on yourself. You will always be your own worst critic. But don't criticize yourself so much where it thrusts you into a depression. Um, some local things to get. Death Fest is not what I thought. Like, I saw the headline. I'm like, Death Fest? Fuck yeah, I'm getting my, my knife emojis ready to go. Let's go! Um, Morbidly, I did see a story in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is uh, maybe two hours from where I where I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, they found the guy who had a severed head uh, in in refrigeration. Sent it over to Amanda. She's like, "Have you been home recently?" And like, stop. No, um, we make morbid jokes, but when things like that happen, although you are fascinated by serial killers, you do realize that, right? Um, the stuff that we find absolutely appalling, disgraceful, and inhuman now, in 20 years, when it's a documentary, you're going to love it. Or someone who's little now will love it. Death Fest has nothing to do with killing people. It is a metal fest. And I guess they have like several hundred people, maybe up to a thousand. It says five to seven hundred in the blade, an all-day giant metal party. It haps, it ha- You probably know where it's happening at. Main Street Bar and Grill, over on Main Street in Toledo. Very cool. Not my thing. Maybe I should. If When I think of metal, death metal, I think of lots of yelling. And if it wasn't so loud, I'd actually kind of like to experience it. Especially with this energy now. I'm not manic. I just want to do everything. I swear to God, I'm not manic. All right, so that's one local thing. Another thing. So there's millions of dollars just like being flung everywhere. If you didn't know, actually, this probably doesn't affect you, but I ask that you help carry the message of things that we talk about on this show. Um, Alex and I were talking about all the rental assistance money that's available for for Toledo and specifically low-income people um, who have struggled to pay their rent, have been concerned or deathly afraid of being evicted and this pandemic almost caused like tens of thousands of homeless people in addition to all the deaths um but alex and i agreed who we talked to you like you're probably okay so can you please pass the word along that the city has millions in rental assistance to help people with another million or so 
they just if if there is um, an entity or a place we keep dumping money into here in Toledo, you're like it's Summit Street. Yeah, but it's also the Glass City Metro Park, which is getting more money to ensure that we have a campsite uh, on the bank of the river over there. That thing is Opal has always wanted. And I hope she's okay. Opal has always wanted um, an amusement park as part of Toledo. She's getting something like it with all the, excuse me, all the things that are happening um, at Glass City Metro Park. Uh, down the river a couple of miles, I was talking with Eric from BCAN last week. We're like, when's that, when's that mural going to be done? According to a story in The Blade, it's almost done. I guess at least most of it, like the sunflowers will be wrapped up and as you might expect, it will be ready in time for the Solheim Cup. And then there will be some smaller additions after that. And again, remember, it does represent local and regional things on that thing. It does represent things here in Northwest Ohio. Also, you might have seen a lot of people. You've probably, you've, I know you've seen pictures or Instagrams or whatever. You can see it up close. The Sandpiper um, is running uh, some tours to it Mondays and Wednesdays. Mondays and Wednesdays. I don't know what the cost is. It, it should be free. Like, just sign up first come, first serve. It should be free. But the Sandpiper is a business. So, check that out if you'd like to do that. There is an OVI checkpoint um, tomorrow night. But, especially if you listen to this podcast, I don't need to tell you where it is because you would you would get your, you would never drive drunk. You would get yourself an Uber or a Lyft. Um, even as scarce or as expensive as they might be right now. Um, it's a lot less expensive than any kind of DUI. And by the way, it's, uh, it's 1125 Alexis tomorrow night, eight to two, uh, the parade and celebration event, Savage Park next weekend for O'Shea Jones is already on the calendar, but she will be honored downtown Monday, 11 AM. A rally will be held at one government center for her. And look, I know I said I wasn't in favor of, uh, both losers, including herself, uh, of the brunt of the semifinal matches, getting medals. I can split my, I can compartmentalize and and separate things here. I don't think I think they should, just should have done gold and silver. But since that's not, not the case, let's celebrate the hell out of our medalist. Um, what else do we have? There's a Cedar Point thing, but uh, I don't know anything about that. And if you're a diehard Cedar Point person, you probably already. Um, have your gold pass taken care of. Uh, I've said before, and I've long believed, adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. And we have had, I've been off with my math. Isn't like September 20 months of the pandemic, I've been like 16. We're getting pretty deep into it. Um, Whatever it is, 16, 18 months, it's a lot. And we have seen a lot of bad and selfish behavior. Adversity reveals character. It doesn't build it. And we have seen a lot of bad character due to this adversity over the last year and a half. Um, So let me shine a light on some good people. Uh, When big bad things happen, uh, I am kind of like, I I can kind of take it in stride. Because literally there's nothing you can do about it. But when something little, like if something at work happens, that really gets me sideways. Not too much so, but yeah. Uh, But when big things happen... I'm like, eh, what can you do? And this goes back to even before I was properly medicated. Somebody stole the wheels off of my car when I was living in Allentown. And yeah, it sucked. And it was quite a sight to see. And this is before you wanted to post everything for people to see. I was like, what can I do? There's absolutely nothing I can do. 
Um, with all the storms rolling through, Dee Dee McDonald and her husband, Jeff, they live on Sherbrooke, and on Wednesday morning, they saw that uh, both of their cars were destroyed, I believe, by just destruction from the storm. Um, it could be a lot worse. This could have been different. I might not have been standing here talking to you. The tree could have fallen on a home. We can replace the cars. I can't replace my life, my neighbor's lives, or my husband's life. I mean, what else can you do? Complain about it Go to go nowhere. Um, a little bit more from Steve and Lisa Bull. They live next to uh, McDonald's. I don't know where. Um, and... Also, this is some of the grace and graciousness and kindness that we haven't had enough of during the last, during the pandemic. Um, We see all the memes about you thought somebody got paid plenty in tips. So we didn't worry about, uh, we didn't have to worry about their hourly wage. And now those people aren't there and you can't go to your, that stuff. Um, But Steve said, uh, one of the things I appreciate um Make sure I have this right. Sorry. One of the things I appreciate about my neighbors is they came over to see if we were all right in the middle of the chaos. In the middle of the chaos, we were touched by their concern. And again, um, shining a light on people who are often overlooked. And in times like these, um, we have to shine a light on these people. We did a great job acknowledging first responders, um, people in the healthcare community during these surges last summer. But there were a lot of other people doing some great things. Also from Steve, I hate to see the damage, but I'm impressed with what the city crews did. I really am. We have much to be proud of in our city. You don't need to join with complainers. Well said, Steve. Well said. Um, What else can we get to here? Uh, I mentioned that I don't have any goals. And I actually, I earlier this week I was considering maybe it's time to do some therapy about that. Um, maybe get a coach for mindfulness. Kind of like people need a coach um, or a trainer to get the best out of their workouts. Maybe I need that for my mind. Um, and go down the DBT route again and find the right person that I can do that with. Um, and in the past, I've been a little concerned that I don't have goals. Personally or professionally, I just kind of get up and go. But while I don't have goals, and from the time we were young, you know, you have goals. Get A's in your test. You know, your first job. Um, you want to get your license, you want to get your first car, first this, first that. So I don't really have any of those goals right now. Um, professional, personal, but what I do have, and it has been a, a buoy for me, um, seven or eight years ago when I was working with my therapist, my counselor, my friend now, Chris Pawson, um, he brought up like, you need to have a mission statement. And I knew exactly what that was because several years earlier working for iHeartRadio, when I had to do all these corporate reports, they're like, what does your radio station stand for? In one sentence, not like a slogan, like just do it or I'm loving it. But this isn't something that that's public facing, something that you and your employees live by to deliver, to effectively and successfully deliver your brand to the target audience. Like for here at Q105, um, we try to do all things Toledo and play your favorite pop songs. That's a mission statement. We want to live up to that every day. So while I don't have goals, I do have a mission statement. And I worked on that with Chris uh, when we brought this up six or seven years ago. And it's be compassionate, be loyal, be helpful, help others. And there's a lot of there's a lot more that I can go with that. But th- there's those three things. Like keep these mission statements simple. One sentence. Be, uh, me, be compassionate, be loyal, be helpful, help others. There is a quote that can kind of 
galvanize all of that that I found from a blogger. Maybe it was Tyler Cowan who took it from somebody else five or six, seven years ago. Um, also can be a mission statement. Be the best. Don't be the best in the world. Be the best for the world. So find yourself a mission statement. One, la- uh, Two last things, I guess. So the census is coming out today, and I guess for the first time ever, um, the population of white people has gone down. And a lot of that has to do with uh, with opioid uh, overdoses and and deaths. Not so much the pandemic, I don't think, because that's affected, I believe, minorities more. But minorities are growing in this country. Um, and I remember, so when you're a kid, and again, you're a dumb kid. You're not supposed to know everything when you're a kid. You're supposed to listen. When, if I was 15 and somebody said, describe to me what an American looks like, I'd be like a white person. Black hair. Uh, brown hair, I don't know. They're white. Then I got older. And older and older. And I'm like, if that's a, what does an American look like is a complicated answer. Um, And if I, because we're shades of things. Um, from dark skin to very light skin because of different nationalities and ethnicities. It's, I remember growing up as a kid. Um, one of the things that I do believe was right that we were taught was America was seen as a melting pot. So many immigrants came here. We are a country of immigrants. And that's been said a lot over the last handful of years. There's no, we're, we're not Americans. We, whatever this place was called before Europeans showed up. But um, we're a melting pot. We overlooked that a lot. And I was wrong as a kid to go, an American is just a white person. Um, if I had to pick a, and I can never do simple answers, um, because my long answers, as I said, American Americans look like, it's a, it's a spectrum of colors. But if I had to pick something, it is a darker complected person, not dark, but darker, as the, the shade of the average American the symbolic American changes colors. And I have no problem with that. Not one bit. It's funny. The word we use their word minority. And at its truest definition, less of something is a minority. But the mi- minorities are growing. And again, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um I was listening to a podcast today and I almost wanted to uh, put some of the audio on. And I told you I've been listening to the Civil War Yale course. Again, and it's the first time I've been listening to it since uh, George Floyd stuff and the pandemic has happened and seeing the differences and how certain minorities and ethnicities are treated from police and all that, just just average citizens and seeing racism from uh, certain person supporters and then viewing or listening to that podcast, that course through that perspective of we still have a long way to go. Um. And Ta-Nehisi Coates was one of the guests on this podcast. It's another Ezra Klein New York Times podcast. And as I mentioned the other day to Alex, Ta-Nehisi Coates is the greatest black thinker of our time, of contemporary times. And he said some very stark things. Um, And David Blight in the Yale course had said like 10 of our first or 12 of our first 15 presidents were slaveholders. And I know... There's a very knee-jerk defensive reaction to go, well, that's just what they did. I mean, that was life back then. Yeah, but something like slavery, slavery, we knew that it was wrong. Um, 
it was disgusting and despicable. Uh, there was a civil war to defend the right to slavery, and another part of it was to, the other side was wanting to keep the country together because many of those people were not necessarily anti-slavery, were abolitionists, but they saw that slavery was an evil. So we got to be careful when people say, well, that's just the way it was back then. It was times were different. You're, you're right, but but there were just some things that you could feel in your human soul at decency. They were wrong, especially slavery, where this is. So let's say you're a racist. Let's say you hate people who don't look like you. Okay, for, for, for the sake of the argument and the the exercise here, you hate that person. So you're going to sneer at them. They'll call them names. Blah blah blah. So 200 and some years ago, hundreds of years ago, up to about like 170 years or so ago, you, the racist, instead of sneering at that person, enslaved that person. You treated them like an animal. On a leash, you barely fed them, you whipped them, you had them working for you as like they were some kind of donkey. We're not that far removed from that. And I do believe that that stuff is an indelible part of all of American history. And as they said on the podcast today, people and places and things aren't all good or all bad. Um, Like I say, when I do get caught with a bad tweet one day, and I will, I hope people say, well, hold on, Eric fucked up. But he is a a decent, he is more good than, far more good than bad. We are all allowed mistakes, certainly to different levels and degrees. And I hope that my error or misstep will never be that egregious to undo all the good. So whatever it was, 10 or, 10 or 12 of the first 15 presidents were slaveholders because that's just what they did back then. But Ta-Nehisi had a, a great line, and this is why he is a great thinker and he deserves to be listened to. In fact, every white person should be required to, to spend some time with anything Ta-Nehisi Coates, even if it's a Black Panther comic. He pointed out, like, it's one thing to understand that, the, that, that Washington and Jefferson had slaves, but his point was... They were able to achieve and maintain what they did as founding fathers, as presidents, as pillars and backbones of the creation and development of America because of their side hustle, slavery. Great point. We'll leave it there. Thanks for listening.